Hello and welcome to Logicast episode one. I'm Carl Robinson, CEO of Logicata, and I'm joined today by my colleague and friend, John. Hi, I'm John, a lead cloud engineer at Logicata, and I'm a friend that you pay for. <laughs> I think that's the case with most of my friends, John. Uh, say, no, <laughs> say no more. Uh, so uh, welcome to the first edition of Logicast. Any of you that already follow me on social media will know that I produce a weekly newsletter called the uh, weekly AWS News Roundup. And uh, I also do a video on a Friday uh, just introducing uh, the news articles that are circulated in that roundup. So in the podcast, the Logicast podcast, we're actually going to take a deeper dive into some of those articles uh, and just have a little bit of a chat about it, uh, have some opinion, uh, some discussion, and hopefully a little bit of fun along the way. So uh, I'm going to act as the host because I don't know as much about AWS as John does. Uh, so uh, I'm going to be putting questions to John uh, as we talk about some of the articles. So um, as it's our first podcast, we thought we maybe should start with something rather simple. And there was a very timely article in the news this week uh, called What is AWS Hosting? You couldn't have timed it any better, quite frankly. I'm kind of hoping that anybody who is interested in and listening to or watching this podcast already knows what AWS Hosting is. But if you don't, then this is a great place to start. So, uh, John, what is AWS Hosting? 95% of my career for the past five years. Uh <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so AWS hosting. AWS, yeah, fun. It is someone else's server. At its core, it's someone else's server. Um, the article itself sort of goes into you know, internet services and standalone servers and all that kind of thing. And yeah, we can talk about that if you like, but I think that's a little bit dull. AWS was born out of, as I understand it, Amazon were scaling up their data centers to cope with Black Friday. And then they realized that they were running at this ridiculous capacity all year when they needed it for maybe three days. So they decided, in their ineffable wisdom, to rent it to other people. It kind of grew from there, and we have AWS as we know it now. Um, calling it someone else's Linux server is somewhat deprecating, a little bit self-defeating. It's not inaccurate, but you will annoy people calling it that. Um, AWS is a what do they call it? Hyperscale is that the word? Yeah, a hyperscaler I think is a reasonable uh, a reasonable description. Uh, of which there are three, maybe some would argue five, um, but uh, you know, two of them are pretty insignificant. Can you guess which uh, <laughs> which ones I'm talking IBM. about, John? <laughs> oh, they weren't is even it Alibaba the, the, and IBM. Uh, no, the, IBM wasn't even on my list of five to be honest. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was the red one. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Let's make it six then, six hyperscalers. But uh, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> IBM is, a, is, is more of a hyper shrinker at the moment. But uh, that's just my <laughs> that's just my personal opinion. So, <laughs> oh, they're always fun to rag on. Uh, yeah. So a AWS basically they will run they run quite effectively data centers, and you can rent compute and various other bits and pieces from them for money because obviously for money but the upshot of doing it through this is you're not having to buy your servers you're not having to provision network you're not having to run cooling you're not having to worry about stupid amounts of three-phase power and all that nonsense you just pay an hourly rate or a monthly rate depending on the service um for what you're using you want a server pay for it hourly you want some storage pay for it in pro rata months you know 
whatever you want to run some queues that's great you just pay for the messages you want to run you want to store some database stuff that's fine you just pay for what you're storing easy peasy and boy do people pay for it i think the run rate is now up oh, to something just. like 71 billion dollars annually um and uh, uh yeah. yeah and also i mean there's a link in my um recent article talking about um aws <laughs> funny that oh, i do this for a living and i talk about it and i write about it there's a link in that talking about how amazon makes its money aws made 100 percent of amazon's operating profit in 2021 yeah. yes okay adjust for pandemic money but still it's a bonkers amount of money Absolutely. It's uh, and, you know, it, it's crazy that uh, the average person on the street um, has never heard of Amazon Web Services. When I try to explain to people what I do, particularly people like my mother uh, or other members of my family, it usually ends up back at, well, it's got something to do with computers, hasn't it? Or, oh, is it to do with Amazon.com, <laughs> the website where I buy all my stuff? And it's kind of is, but, just you know, glazed it's, over. Uh, it's also, you know, very, very different uh, in, in many ways. So, um so yeah, but what what else does the article tell us? Um... Well, it talks about um, things like well, I just actually, to be fair, I want to touch on that. People haven't heard of it; they've almost certainly used it. If you've got a Netflix subscription, you've had content from Amazon, AWS. You know, they are probably the biggest well-known name that sit on it, and they serve through really, as far as I understand it, really old-school just servers and scaling. That's all they do, which is mad. But yeah, you might not have heard of it. You've used it, promise. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think some of the apps that we're going to talk about in in, in one of the later sections, uh, I think many people will have heard of, if not if not used those apps, um, which are all based on AWS. So I don't know what percentage of the internet is based on AWS. I wouldn't like to make up the, stati the statistic. No, I wouldn't like uh, to guess. But uh, it's a pretty high percentage. Um, I think uh, in terms of their market share, um, they have um, around uh, is it. 50, 50 to sixty percent of the cloud it's computing market share. It's more than fifty percent. Yeah, um, I think it's sort of sixty percent of the cloud computing market share. So that's that's absolutely enormous in terms of the uh, the sites and, and the applications that are hosted on AWS. So, oh, here's a good one: WordPress engine, which provides managed WordPress hosting. Which, if you want to use WordPress, it's not a bad option. Uses AWS. And if I remember rightly, something like 30% of the internet is in WordPress in one form or another. And a good big number percentage of that is hosted by WP Engine because, you know, they're the people that make it. Yeah. And I think you're talking literally hundreds of thousands of websites uh, hosted on WP mm. Engine. So, um, yeah, it's absolutely uh, people will have uh, will have used AWS um, pretty much every day of their lives, I would imagine, Uh the, the way that everything it's is steady. going. I'm not. I'm not that young. <laughs> no, I didn't mean from birth until now. I just mean in uh, you know, in, in the current climate, they will be uh, they will be using it um, every day of their lives. Mm. So um, yeah, the article gives us uh, quite a good overview um, of what AWS hosting is. But uh, John, where could you find out a little bit more about AWS? It's funny you should ask. I actually wrote something about that recently. Um, so on the Logicata blog, I have put together a glossary of not all the services because there's, I don't know how many, but it's more than 200 and I value my time. Um, <laughs> but of all of the sort of the big ticket items that you'd want, you know, EC2, servers, storage, website things, networking, databases, all that kind of thing. So on the blog... It is simply AWS Glossary. 
So that's logicarta.com slash blog. Uh, you'll find it is the most recent post there. Um, easy enough to, uh, to to find and navigate to if you want to understand uh, what some of those TLAs uh, stand for. TLA, of course, being an acronym for three-letter acronyms. Uh, and our industry is, of course, driven by those. In fact, I've built my career just on understanding what every TLA or FLA stands for. Don't necessarily understand what goes on behind it, but so long as you know what the acronym stands for, you can really start to sound like you know what you're talking about. So uh, You've got more certificates than I do. You Come on. <laughs> yeah. That's only because I know the TLAs, and those, of course, are all mu- <laughs> those are all multiple guess uh, answers as well. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just modest, John. I'm very modest. Um, so, the next article we thought we'd pick on um, simply because uh, I saw quite a bit of noise about it this week um, was this article on the new uh, file cache service that that Amazon have launched. Um, so, tell me a bit about that, John. What what is it? Uh, what, what what can it do for me? So it can run you up a big bill. Um, file cache is actually quite cool. It's a way of hooking together through just you know normal common or garden network interface um, technologies. It's hooking together up to eight uh, S3 buckets, or what was the other one? I forget what the other one is, or something else, um, into a cache. You know, file cache, it's a cache. You can hook up a whole bunch of things to the back end of it and present it to your applications, through your servers, to your on-premises servers, whatever you like, just as a network drive. Great, happy days. The upshot of this is, I mean, Amazon, um, in their article, explain it through sort of two um, scenarios, two use cases, right? The, the, the first one being you have a very large data set and you want to move that workload to the cloud, but you don't want to move the entire data set to the cloud because regulatory regulatory reasons or anything like that, you can just put this in the middle and the cloud can talk to it and so on and so on. Great, happy days. The other example, which I think is probably more likely, is you have a traditional application that uses Unix fundamentals, said pipes, whatever, and you cannot, for one reason or another, refactor that application to use s3 native commands you just can't you don't have time you're not allowed whatever you put file cache in the middle and because it's treated like a normal network interface you're golden it'll just read and write from it happy days it's up to eight s3 buckets or eight nfs file systems so that could be on-prem file systems for going one way or s3 buckets for going the other way easy peasy there are a couple of annoyances with this the up to eight, fine, great, wonderful. In S3 land, that's great because S3 buckets are functionally unlimited. So you can have unlimited storage, but you've got to be kind of a bit picky about what you're exposing back to your on-prem network or your applications. So you can't just sort of go, here's my whole account available through this endpoint. You've got to sort of provision them quite thoughtfully. And the other is the cache size is a minimum of 1.2 tibibytes which in old language is a terabyte, I think. I don't quite understand how they work. Um, so there's a minimum cache size, which is a little bit irritating. You don't actually get charged for uh, file cache itself, but you do get charged for the resources sitting underneath it. So if you're provisioning a couple of terabytes worth of cache, you are going to pay for it. And of course, on top of that, you pay for file e- uh, data egress 
at EC2 rates. Well, it's not at EC2 rates. I'd have to check. I don't think it's at EC2 rates. So, uh, but you do pay for it. Are you paying then uh, for the storage, uh, even if it's not used? If you, if you provision a cache of a certain size, do you pay for all of the mm. the storage, regardless of whether or not there's anything in your cache? Yes, you do. Okay. So, so it is a thousand megabytes is a tibibyte, okay, and you pay one. It depends on the region. But let's look at London because that's our closest one. You pay $1.56.3 per gigabyte per month. So it's not cheap. Mm. And then on top of that, you pay $0.02 cents per gigabyte, so it's not the same as EC2, of data transfer out from your cache. Uh, and then that's out to... Uh, the internet i think and then in and out of cash between availability zones or vpc peering connections is charged at one gigabyte in either direction so it's 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 a very good way of running up a data transfer bill <laughs> so what what might be the use cases for you to want to run up that well, i think Am <laughs> who would, who would i think amazon have covered it quite uh, so in their article, they covered it quite nicely, to be really honest. The two big op obvious ones are you have cloud processing that needs access to an on-premises data set, in which case you hook up your NFS to that and you just move the data through it. Or you have something on-premises that needs access to a cloud-based data set and you can hook things up through there. Or, of course, it's all in the cloud already, but you can't refactor your application to take advantage of cloud api calls and things so that's kind of the obvious ones if you think about it as a sort of a competitor to storage gateway in the putting data from on from on-prem into the cloud that sort of starts to make sense is that plus a few extra bits got it cool clear as mud yeah 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 read the article if you want to know more uh, it's in, it's in the newsletter so let's uh, let's change gear a bit now uh, and talk about um, the uh, the wellness movement. Um, we saw an article this week about AWS customers who use the AWS cloud to make mental health and wellness resources more accessible. So wellness, of course, is uh, is becoming uh, much much higher on everyone's agenda, particularly with the amount of data that we now have about our own personal wellness from devices like the iPhone, the Apple Watch. Other brands are available, but uh, those are the ones that immediately spring to mind. Um, in fact, I was uh, participating in some market research earlier this week for a well-known uh, tap company um, who don't like to be known as a, a tap company. They like to be known as a wellness and hydration company because obviously water um, is uh, critical to uh, to wellness and hydration. Um But uh, it's pretty exciting to uh, to look at some of the design concepts that those guys have got coming down the line in the future, tying into some of the um, sort of health and wellness apps um, that are, you know, or health and wellness app vendors that are already available and how we can actually link those into devices in our home like TAPS um, to provide us with not only hydration, but also potentially uh, nutrition in the form of supplements and things like that. So some, some pretty exciting stuff coming down the line um, with um, on the wellness side of things. But um yeah, talk, talk me through some of the uh, the AWS customers in in this article, John, um, that, that, that we've seen. So the first one on their list is Calm. And I have actually used that before because 
I'm a complete ball of unbridled stress. Um, I have used that before. You blame my children. Um, and it's saying that they use Amazon Personalize, which is actually quite cool because what they're doing is they're using um, ML, which it's just a bunch of if statements, really. They're using machine learning to personalize the um, the interface and the, the, the experiences that the users are getting. So if you're doing lots of the same sorts of things, it'll start recommending the same sorts of things if you're kind of all over the place with what you're doing it will you it will start recommending things that are kind of smoothing you out a little bit i think into kind of you we think you like this we think you should do that and so on and so on which is uh which is quite cool um what it's also saying is content generated by amazon personalized led to a 3.4 percent uptick in daily practice which is i mean it's not a big number but something like 100 million users or something silly so it's a large number of people if it's not a big percentage i'd be interested to know how they measure that um you know that uh, that it was the uh, the, the content generated because it could just be the fact that the whole world is going mad and we all need to calm down a bit and uh, <laughs> people are cottoning <laughs> on to these things and uh, and starting to use them all i haven't used calm myself um but uh, I, I used another one called balance which is a, a very similar thing for a bit of uh, meditation and mindfulness and uh, i think this sort of thing is really catching on so pretty cool to see um, how how these guys are using aws for that and um, what else have we got what's this uh, sound off it's a telemedicine medicine platform so veterans and armed forces connecting to clinicians and trained peers which is that's quite cool actually um i'm obviously not ex-military i mean look at the state of me um but connecting armed forces and service veterans and these sorts of things with both peers and and with um with medics and stuff is incredibly important because they have i mean it's not higher than than um, general public but they do have a fairly high incidence of things like ptsd and if you start kind of downhilling from there it, it's going to be really nasty really quickly so the ability to connect people back to um medics and stuff is incredibly important and what this is doing really cool is it's doing it completely anonymously without connecting user data at all so it's kind of addressing the stigma and not wanting to be known for it and that sort of thing by saying that well you won't we don't know who you are they don't know who you are you know that they're a doctor or they're a peer and that's about the size of it what they're doing here with AppFlow is it's a fully managed service that allows the secure data transfer between things so they don't have to worry about getting the data between S3 and Redshift and the front end and the back end and all it. It's just done securely. That's pretty cool. Uh, what about Springs Sleep Medicine? Oh, no, a study from... I was going to make a really bad joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to do with uh, sleep disturbances, it isn't it? So um, Yeah. Yeah. Having children, that's sleep disturbance. Um, I think what they're doing here is it's, 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 it's more shilling for ML, which to be fair is cool, generally. It's, it's just saying ML to glean data from habits and share them back with the user. It's not saying they use a specific service or that they're a, a poster child for that. But again, it's another company that's sitting on AWS that's taking advantage of AWS's managed ML services. Um, and there's a whole raft of them, but... Yeah, managed ML is great because it means you don't have to worry about having massive GPU farms to train your models and all that jazz. You just use their pre-trained model, job done. 
Yeah, this whole uh, world of uh, online health and wellness, telemedicine, etc., is really cool. I've been a, a Babylon user for the last five years or so, um, since I last worked in central London. And uh, I have not stepped foot, set foot in a doctor's surgery for, uh, for all of that time because I've been able to access um, all of the healthcare I needed wherever I am uh, in the world from my iPhone. And I think that's the future. Uh, my wife is still stuck in this world of uh, having to get up and start hammering the redial button at eight o'clock every morning to get through and talk to the angry receptionist in the local doctor's surgery who really doesn't want to speak to anybody. And uh, that is definitely not the future. Uh, certainly, um, the uh, the youth of today will not tolerate that sort of experience. <laughs> it's not what they're used to uh, when uh, everything is uh, available on demand. So uh, it's really cool to see what's going on in that in that space. TikTok doctors next. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't even. What's TikTok, John? You'll have to explain to me. It's passed <laughs> me by. <laughs> oh, maybe another time. <laughs> So, um, yeah, the last article I think that we were just going to uh, dive into is this uh, Compute Optimizer article, um, now supporting 37 new EC2 instance types and new memory metrics for Windows instances. Um, that's a bit of a mouthful. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, so Compute Optimizer is it's it's a bit of a cool thing, really. Um one of the things that consultants like me like to tell customers is you need to right size your instances. Okay, what the hell does that mean? What you'll find from people coming from on-prem setups, from historic setups, is that they've got, much like AWS did, their servers and things configured for peak traffic because they, they have no ability to scale. So they have to be configured to take the maximum amount of traffic that they could possibly see and just be massively underutilized the rest of the time. Compute Optimizer looks at your account and tells you where you've done that and then tells you, oh, you could actually use things like auto scaling groups or, or whatever to um, account for this instead so that you don't have to be sitting at peak maximum 120% capacity all the time and paying for it all the time. What Compute Optimizer has done in this article is they've added 37 new instance types, including the bare metal ones which is really cool. Uh, and it's got some new, excuse me, some new metrics available for Windows, which is great because if you're stuck using Windows for one thing or another, having more accurate memory utilization is one of the key drivers for working out if you're on a too big an instance, because the way that instances are provisioned within AWS is based on, um, they just give you sizes, but they have amount of virtual CPU, amount of virtual RAM, and then you can sort of tack disks on separately. So if you don't have good metrics for how much virtual memory you're using and how much virtual CPU you're using, you don't have a good way of determining if you're over-provisioned or not. And what they've done is they've just added a whole bunch of them in so that you now have more instances that you can work out whether you're over-provisioned or under-provisioned on, which is really handy. And uh, is it just a recommendation engine, or does it actually automate uh, some of the optimizations? Uh, it's just recommendations. Yeah, it'd be very, it would be really dangerous if it started automating. It's you know we we definitely need to start downsizing your servers for you. Ah no, that could be quite dangerous. So no, <laughs> it's just recommendations. Yeah, but it's always good to keep. Which on then top you of come and things. talk to people like me to um, yes it is, it's, and then you come and talk to people like me to come and help you do it. Absolutely, yeah. Um. Cool. Okay. Well, I think that is uh, all of the articles that we were going to look to deep dive into this week. Um, so I guess it's now time to, to wrap up 
the first episode of Logicast. We've made it to the end, John. Uh, I think we've done quite well. Uh, it is actually our first take as well. So uh, go easy on us. If you're listening to this, it is our first time. Please be kind. Please be gentle. Uh, but we'll be back. We're going to do this weekly. Um, so as I mentioned, the Logicata AWS Weekly News Roundup is a newsletter uh, that you can sign up for, have it delivered to your inbox once a week. You'll see me on LinkedIn uh, and other social channels talking about the contents um, of that uh, that newsletter in a short three or four minute video. And now the Logicast podcast, uh, we're going to record it weekly. It's going to be available from all uh, major podcast distribution channels in both audio and video format. So uh, I guess uh, that brings us to the end of episode one. Anything else you'd like to add, John? Um, no, I'm enjoying your purple lighting, though. That's cool. <laughs> it's blue and orange like the colors in the Logicata logo, subliminal messaging <laughs> in light. <laughs> At least that's what it's supposed to look like. So uh. That's what it's supposed to be. Who is, what are you wearing today? Are you on your old Captain or Super Cloud? I'm today? on an orange Captain Cloud T-shirt today, which you can't see. It's obscured by my microphone, but you do have this handy sticker here, uh, which looks very much like the design on the front of my T-shirt, so you can get <laughs> the idea. And, of course, we do give those T-shirts away every week in a free prize draw, um, which uh, if you check out my uh, News Roundup email newsletter or videos, you'll find a link to the free prize draw there as well. So if you want to win some Logicata Captain Cloud or Super Cloud swag, um, you can do that uh, once a week in our newsletter. So let's wrap it up there. Thanks a lot uh, for your insights there, John, uh, into the AWS news for the last week. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week uh, to deep dive into some more uh, of the week's AWS news. Thanks for listening. Cheers. <laughs>